Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kimpton Knight. The focus of this episode is Ned Markosian's Sideways Music published in Analysis in 2019. If you want to successfully meet up with another person, there are four pieces of information that you need to specify in order to ensure that your paths coincide. Three spatial coordinates and one time coordinate. In practice, arranging a meetup seems far less formal than this. See you in the Café of Waterstones on Tottenham Court Road at 2pm, you might say. But if you imagine a map of London, Waterstones on Tottenham Court Road will have an X-coordinate and a Y-coordinate which will allow you to locate waterstones on the two-dimensional map, and we can think of the z-coordinate as specifying the elevation. Perhaps the cafe is on the first floor. Finally, you need a value for the time dimension, 2pm in this case. So we have three spatial dimensions, two corresponding to the two dimensions displayed on your map, and one corresponding to the elevation, and one time dimension. Which is the odd one out? Philosophers who advocate the space-time thesis say that none of these coordinates is the odd one out. If you find this surprising, then perhaps you prefer the dynamic theory of time, according to which the time dimension is very different indeed to the three spatial dimensions, since, for example, it has an intrinsic direction, and there are important ontological distinctions between past, present, and future, that is, between different points along this dimension. Advocates of the space-time thesis, by contrast, maintain that past, present, and future are all equally real, just like different points in space and that there is no intrinsic direction or flow of time, again, just like space. In this paper, Ned Markosian presents a novel argument against the space-time thesis, that is, against the idea that the time dimension is just like the spatial dimensions. One particularly important and controversial premise of Markosian's argument is realism about aesthetic value. This means that aesthetic value and disvalue is an intrinsic, mind-independent feature of objects in the world. A pile of rubbish, for example, really is ugly. It has negative aesthetic value, no matter what anyone thinks about it. Van Gogh's Starry Night, on the other hand, really is objectively beautiful. It has positive aesthetic value. Now, Markosian goes on to suggest that a notable feature of aesthetic value is that it's not affected by changes of orientation in space. So if we rotate Starry Night by 90 degrees, it doesn't become less aesthetically valuable. Perhaps its aesthetic value is harder for us to appreciate, but this can be rectified by changing our own orientation in space. Similar comments apply to music. Markosian imagines a seven-note passage from a piano solo by Nina Simone. This passage of music has aesthetic value, and this is not changed by rotating the piano on which the passage is played by 90 degrees, or by elevating the piano high above the stage, or any other transformations in space. A problem arises, according to Markosian, when we imagine rotating the passage of music in the four-dimensional space-time manifold the manifold consisting of three spatial dimensions and one time dimension, in such a way that the seven notes making up the music are all played at the same time. Markosian calls this sideways music. Sideways music is music reorientated in time, such that its constituent events, hammer-striking events in the piano, are no longer spread out in time, but all occur on top of each other in the time dimension. So remember that the space-time thesis says that the time dimension is no different from the three spatial dimensions. We saw that rotating art, be it fine art or music or whatever, in the spatial dimension did not affect its aesthetic value. But since the space-time thesis maintains that the time dimension is no different from the spatial dimensions, 
it follows from the space-time thesis that rotating art in the time dimension should not compromise its aesthetic value either. However, the temporally rotated seven-note passage of Anina Simone solo does, it seems, have its aesthetic value compromised by being rotated in time. Playing all the notes of the passage simultaneously results in a horrible sound with negative aesthetic value. It follows, then, that the space-time thesis is false. The time dimension is, importantly, different to the spatial dimensions. Here are some responses to the argument that Marcosian considers. We could deny that there really is intrinsic aesthetic value in the world, i.e. deny aesthetic realism. Marcosian rejects this as wildly implausible, but whether or not we agree, we may still find it interesting that the debate about the metaphysics of time should have such implications for the question of aesthetic realism. We could maintain that the sideways music does have positive intrinsic aesthetic value after all. Perhaps our negative reaction to sideways music is just a result of how human consciousness works and is not reflective of the value of the art itself. Again, Marcosian claims to find this response implausible. Finally, the proponent of the space-time thesis could respond to the argument by modifying their view and allowing that there is some relevant difference between the time dimension and the spatial dimensions which accounts for the change of aesthetic value when music is rotated in time. Marcosian worries that this response leads to a slippery slope, since once one concedes that time is a little different from space, why not concede that it's a lot different? The elegance of the space-time thesis comes from its maintaining that time is just like space, but once this is compromised the view loses much of its luster. What's more, Marcosian does not think that any small difference between time and space could account for the huge aesthetic difference between normal music and sideways music. What we really need is to recognise the importance of tensed facts, such as the fact that only this note is present, and that this note precedes that future note, and so on. It is the passage through time that gives music its value, its dynamic aspect, and this dynamic aspect, according to Marcosian, is tied directly to the dynamic aspect of time, which runs contrary to the space-time thesis. So this is the sort of metaphysics that is ripe for criticism, so let's just get some of that out of the way now. The paper appeals to intuition and controversial premises, it risks conflicting with science, perhaps relativity tells in favour of the space-time thesis, it's trivial and silly, and is a completely misguided attempt to get at the true nature of reality. Okay, so what's good about the paper? Well, I think it's first worth saying something about the potential conflict with science. People are often quick to criticise metaphysics on the ground that it conflicts with science, but I think it's unlikely that metaphysics ever really conflicts with the science that matters quay-science, the stuff that gets us to the moon and develops medicines. I don't think any metaphysicians think that their results have the sorts of practical implications that would have any bearing on this important stuff. Of course, not all science is about yielding practical results. Some of it tries to tell us what the world is really like. This seems to be the case, for example, in the debate about different interpretations of quantum mechanics. But while this work may be pursued by scientists, it seems importantly different from the sorts of practical pursuits just mentioned. Interpreting science such as to get a description of what the world is really like is more on a par with metaphysics than with rocket science and medicine. So my point then is that I doubt anyone could seriously maintain that this paper conflicts with science in any way that would imply that working scientists should alter what they do on a practical level. Perhaps it conflicts with what some scientists have said about how best to interpret scientific data, but then this is just a metaphysical dispute in which scientists happen to be engaged. But on a more positive note, I think this paper actually exemplifies something that is quite good about metaphysics, or perhaps philosophy more generally. 
Now, this is easily missed because of how upfront the paper is in certain respects. Let me explain. One might worry about the various appeals to intuition, the intuition that aesthetic realism is true, the intuition that sideways music lacks aesthetic value, and so on. But something that philosophy seems well-equipped to do is to dig down to the bedrock of our disagreement on various issues. And what else could this bedrock be other than fundamental clashes of intuitions? Marcosian is honest about the intuitions driving the argument, and so makes it crystal clear which intuitions we'd have to adopt or give up depending on whether or not we are comfortable with his conclusion. He nicely highlights some more fundamental intuitions associated with different views on the metaphysics of time that would otherwise not have been at all obvious. One could still worry that uncovering the bedrock of disagreement in fundamentally conflicting intuitions is all well and good as philosophical methodology goes, but who cares about this particular application? Apply this method to ethics or politics to get to the root of what we disagree about, and perhaps we'd be making important progress. But to worry about fundamental clashes of intuitions in the context of the metaphysics of time is just misguided. But then how far should we take this admonition to only do important work? Should work on interpretations of Kafka and quantum mechanics be banned too, because it's not important enough? <laughs>